Welcome to Renew Church. Uh, Jacob, that was a rookie move as a husband. Uh, <laughs> Grace, Grace, we'll talk to him, don't worry. Uh, tonight, uh, we'd love to have you at our house. Uh, I've built it as the best party of the year. We'll see uh, if that holds true. But tonight, uh, if you have a chair, bring a chair. We have uh, chairs and tables there, but uh, if you are coming and you have a chair to bring, uh, bring it, just in case. Um, I want to read this morning another story uh, of Jesus, a parable of Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14. And I kind of want to just walk through this story, ask some questions, see what it means for us, uh, and see how it hits you. Uh, One thing that's fascinating is that as Jesus was doing his ministry, he's going about, he's on mission, right? Right? He's going from city to city. He's gathering these people that are following him as his disciples. He's living life with them. They're walking everywhere together. They are living together. Uh, They're building this beautiful community that is the beginnings of what will be the church. They're going around doing miracles, going around and preaching the gospel, both with their mouths and with their actions throughout these cities. And Jesus often is talking in these stories, these parables. And what I love about these stories and parables is it's a story. Like that's the primary, one of the primary ways that Jesus communicated. So we read the story and I ask, what's Jesus saying to us as he tells this story? See, Jesus is at a, a Pharisee's house, and, and in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, there were several groups of uh, basically like church leaders, temple leaders, synagogue leaders. And one of these groups was the Pharisees. They were very strict. They had a rule of life. They had a code to live by. They had all these rules set up about what's right, what's wrong in the church. And often as you watch Jesus' ministry, he's often talking to the Pharisees, calling them out as they're trying to to get Jesus in trouble and set him up. He's calling out the Pharisees and he's going, look, look, you have the rule, but you're missing the heart of it. You have the rule, like great, you have the rule. I won't murder, I won't steal, I won't do all these things, but you're missing the heart. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount is. You're focused on the rule, you're focused on the law, you're focused on this, but really, in focusing on that, you are missing the point. You're missing the heart of it. And I think for us, as we follow Jesus, I think we're quick to assume that we are in the place of Jesus, or that we are in the place of the disciples. But I think something that's very convicting as the church is sometimes we're in the place of the Pharisees. And sometimes we have to recognize that. And sometimes we have to own that. And sometimes we have to turn and repent from that. So Jesus is in this house. Uh, He's eating in the house of a prominent Pharisee. And he was being carefully watched. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is on his way. He's confirmed his mission. He's going to the cross. 
You see that uh, earlier in the chapters, there's a distinct shift from where Jesus is just traveling from town to town to now I'm headed to the cross. I have a mission. I have a job to do. I'm going to do it. And the Pharisees are watching him, trying to trap him, trying to catch him in this whole plan. So he was being watched very carefully. There in front of him was a man suffering from an abnormal swelling of his body. I don't know what that was, but it needed healing. So Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts of law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, in the Pharisees' world, in this Jewish world, there were very, very, very strict rules around Sabbath. Whereas today we have literally no rules about Sabbath, uh, if we even acknowledge a Sabbath at all for us, this day there was very strict rules that you do not work. You don't do anything when it's a Sabbath day. You sit, you enjoy life. They would plan everything out. They would go to stores. Stores wouldn't be open. Everything would be in preparation for this day where you just get to rest. So Jesus is asking them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? I I feel like Jesus is kind of poking the bear right here. They remain silent. So Jesus, taking a hold of the man, healed him and sent him on his way. Now for the Pharisees, healing is a part of work. Work cannot be done on the Sabbath. So there's a few times throughout the Gospels where Jesus is clearly breaking the Sabbath code. Then Jesus says, well, guys, I know you have this rule. I know you have this thing that's very important. And for the most part, this rule guides your life. Like, like, whereas today, where we don't really pay attention to a Sabbath day at all, it, it's also something that we, I think we should pay attention to. And so this rule guides your life, but there's times when you need to step out of this guiding rule of your life and get to the heart of it. And so Jesus says, look, if one of you is a child or an ox that falls into a well on a Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? That's work, right? So, so don't get too hung up on this very strict rule, this very strict code, and don't forget the heart that first and foremost, we are to love our neighbor. Love God, love our neighbor. That's the code. The Pharisees in verse 6, they had nothing to say. And so Jesus is sitting at this house party, right? And he just has this encounter. He heals a guy. He knows he's being judged. He knows the Pharisees are having their little side conversations and and making judgments about him and their plan and all this stuff to trap him. And, And Jesus starts looking around at this party. And he noticed how the guests picked up places of honor at the table. So he's at this party, and there's a giant table with food. There's this beautiful meal set before everybody. And he notices as people are walking in, they're talking to this person. He's trying to get this seat over here. He's trying to get the most important seat at the table right here. The, 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 the Pharisee, the host, the guy who's 
putting on the meals, going, no, no, you can't sit here. You need to sit here. Somebody more important is right here. And Jesus is noticing this culture where it's just kind of gross and ugly, where people are trying to get a seat at the table. It's about who you know and who you can talk to and what sort of influence you can gain by that relationship. There's all these things happening at this dinner. And Jesus goes, I want to tell you a story. Everybody quiet down. I got a story to tell. When someone invites you into a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. Now, we have to step outside a little bit of our cultural norm right here because in this cultural context, honor and shame was very important. An honor and shame culture, which this was an honor and shame culture, drove everything in relationships. Every decision, every relationship is, is based on this honor-shame relationship. You wanted to maintain honor, and you wanted to give honor. The worst thing that you could do is make somebody feel shameful or feel shame yourself. And so this dinner scene is set in that culture. When you got to be at the place of honor at the table, which is right to the right, that is a very big deal. It means that you now can take those relationships in that position and have influence throughout your community. So this honor and shame culture isn't always bad. But Jesus is pointing out something here. He's looking around the table and he's going, look, people seem to be overly concerned with where they're sitting, what position they can jockey for, what conversation they can have with this person that might lead to this influence, might lead to this. Maybe it's like on uh, Instagram or social media when you follow the influencer and you hope the influencer follows you back because you're hoping that with this follow comes a lot of likes and a lot of attention, a lot of status. He says, well, when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. I think Jesus is talking about this heart position. This position of your heart that says, I I'm not going to put myself at the highest place in the room. 
I'm going to walk in and I'm going to be humble and I'm going to serve and I'm going to love and I'm going to do all the things that I need to do, but I can do all of that without being putting myself in the highest position in the room or trying to get there. You remember Paul saying in Philippians, hey, be like Jesus. Take a low, humble position and look, don't do anything out of vain conceit or selfish ambition, but look to the needs of others. And later on, he goes, if you hold this position in your life, you will shine like the stars. Isn't that beautiful? So Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of righteousness. So Jesus is calling out the people in the crowd that are at the dinner, and then he calls out the host. And he goes, look, when you hold a dinner, don't go and just invite all the people that you like, all the people you want to impress, all the people that you know will repay you with something. Like your motives aren't pure. You're doing this so you can gain the respect, the, the relationship, uh, whatever it is from these other people. So he's saying, when you have a party, go out and invite the people that can't pay you back. Go out and invite the people who have no social status whatsoever. Go out and invite the people that could care less what position you're in. Go out and invite the people. And then he says this story. When one of those at the table heard this, he said, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is going, you still don't get it, do you? Like you still think this is about position and status and power. It's not. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet that invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Hey, Jesus, uh, I just bought a field. (laughs) I got to go tend to the field so I can't come to your little party. Jesus, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I know many of you have that excuse. And I'm on my way to try them out. Please, excuse me. I can't make it to your party. Still another said, I just got married. Jesus, I got married. My wife has uh, needs. Like, we got to protect this marriage. We got to go on this trip. We got to spend time together. We got to build our home. We got to do all these things. I just got married. I can't come to your party. It's interesting because I I, got to ask the question. It it begs to ask the question, what excuses do you have? Like Jesus is holding a a party. He's holding a banquet that 
he's inviting you to be a part of. And I got to ask, what kind of excuses do you have? Because we all have excuses, right? We all have excuses. I, I bought a house, Jesus, and, and it's quite a fixer-upper, so we need to spend the weekends remodeling the house. Like, that needs to take some priority right now. I, I, I can't come eat at the table. I can't come hang with you. I can't come spend time with you because we really have to do this. We're on a strict deadline. Come on, Jesus. You understand, don't you? Jesus, I got this job. And this job is super demanding, it pays really well, and it's a stepping stone for the next position. So Jesus, please understand, i got to devote everything to this job. Because it's going to get me all that I dreamed of. You understand, don't you? If I don't come to your party, your banquet right now, maybe I'll come later. Jesus, we got a family, and there's kids, and, and it's really busy. And we got all of our kids in four different sports because that is what's most important. Like, Jesus, I'm, I'm vicariously living through my children. They're going to be the stars that I never became. Jesus, they really love it. They really enjoy it. Jesus, Jesus, come on. We've got this stuff going on. We're very busy. You understand if I don't come to your party right now, right? Jesus, we got the, I got this major, and, and Jesus, there are a million things that I need to do, and it's so stressful. There's so many tests, and there's so many things I need to be a part of, internships, clinicals. There's all these things that I need to do as part of this major, and not to mention my social life, Jesus. I got to go out to the bars. I got to go out and hang out. There's all these things I got to do, Jesus. You understand if I don't come to your party? What's your excuse? What's my excuse? Because all of us have at some point where we put something else as the priority in front of Jesus. It's the story of humankind. It's throughout the entire Bible. We tend to make idols out of what's created rather than giving our hearts to the creator. And it's evident when you're invited to the party and there's too many excuses for you to go. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets, in the alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. These people don't want to come? Well, go get everybody else. There's a million people that would want to be a part of this meal that I'm offering. If they don't want to be a part of it, Yeah, it makes me angry. But go get everybody else. Go out into the streets. Go out into the darkest corners of the streets. Go out into the alleys. Go out into the fields. Go as far as you can go and invite everybody to be a part of this meal.
Now, there's a couple things that, that need to be said. Jesus is talking about this in the Pharisee's house. Part of what Jesus is calling to in his day is he's looking at the temple, he's looking at the church, he's looking at the religious leaders and going, you're missing it. I'm inviting you to be a part of it, but you're missing it. Israel, Israel, all the way back in the Old Testament, God designed Israel to be his reflection in this world. God was the head of Israel until Israel goes, no, 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 this isn't good enough, we need a king. God said, okay, you're gonna get what you deserve. You're getting a king, which is going to go wrong in all sorts of ways throughout the course of Israel's history. And God's going to keep pursuing, keep chasing, keep going after Israel and beckoning them, calling them to come back. And here's Jesus as part of his ministries. He's constantly looking at the religious leaders, looking at the people of the temple and going, you're invited. Are you going to join Or are you going to miss it? It's kind of like the whole healing on a Sabbath discussion. You have an opportunity to be part of this amazing thing, this amazing miracle, but you're missing it because you're looking back going, well, I'm not sure if that's allowed. And Jesus goes, once again, you're missing it. Like you're missing the point. You're missing all that I'm trying to do. You're missing all that will be done. Through my death and resurrection, you are missing it. And you have a million excuses. So I think the challenge for us as a pastor, as people that are part of the church, is going, are we missing the invitation to sit down at the banquet that Jesus is throwing? What excuses am I letting get in the way? Or am I just standing back going, well, you broke a rule here. There's a constant invitation for Jesus to the religious people in the Gospels. Don't miss it. So the master goes out and get, says, get everybody else. If they don't want to be a part of it, that's fine. But go out into the streets and bring everybody to the banquet. Bring everybody to the feast. Well, Jesus, they've never been to a banquet before. They're, they're not going to come in all clean and like have pressed clothes and nice robes on and gold and all that. Like they're in the streets. Like they're in the alleys. It's Okay. It's all good. Bring them to the table to eat. See, they don't have to get cleaned up before they come to the table to eat. They don't have to. There's this misconception in the church world, in the religious world, that that somehow you have to clean yourself up before you can come to the table and eat with Jesus. And we see throughout the Gospels, time and time again, that's just not true. That's not how Jesus lived life. That's not what he preached. So come to the table. It's kind of the thing that we like, admit when we decide to follow Jesus, right? What, what do we admit? We are a what? 
sinner. Which means we don't have it all together. We are broken. There are things inside of us that we need Jesus to fix. We need Jesus to transform. It's the thing that all of us should be agreeing on. That none of us should be surprised about. None of us should be in positions that are too high to admit, hey, yeah, I I messed up in this way. Yeah, I got this thing I need to confess. I I got this thing going on I need to confess. I need to bring Jesus and the light into it so that I could be transformed. The church has this weird thing about this behavioral modification that if I can just, like, get rid of the bad sins, right? Like, not watch rated R movies, not drink too much, uh, not smoke, like not hang out with these people. Like there's this behavioral modification. If I can try to manage my internal struggles, if I can try to manage this part when I'm on the internet, if I can manage that, if I can white knuckle that and stop doing that, if I can behaviorally modify who I am, then that means I'm following Jesus. Or I'm following Jesus better. I think the gospel says that we are all broken. You don't clean yourself up before you come to the table. Like you don't have to change your behavior before coming to the table with Jesus. By coming to the table and eating with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, your behavior and life will change. We're all in need of transformation. There's room at the table. No matter your struggle. No matter what's going on in your mind. No matter your inclinations. There is room at the table and you are invited. servant said what you've ordered is done but there's still room then the master said go go out to the roads to the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full I tell you not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet There's a little bit of a judgment here, right? That Jesus is talking about. Well, these people were invited. They had too many excuses. They missed it. Now we're going out into the city. We're going out to everybody that probably shouldn't get an invitation, but we're going out. We're inviting everybody and servant. I want you to go out and compel them to come in because I want my house to be full. So there's an aspect of this story where there's a clear warning, right? Don't miss it. And don't let excuses get in the way of coming to Jesus. I know all of us right now probably have a list of excuses that are subtly or maybe not so subtly getting in the way of us truly following Jesus. And Jesus is going to deal with those. Work it out. But come to the table. The party's, the party's ready. The party's set. Come to the table. 
Don't worry about cleaning yourself up. Like, like the person on the street didn't need to go shopping to get a nice wardrobe before he came to the dinner. He showed up the way he was. So show up to the table the way you are. As Christians, we acknowledge, we accept, we admit we are all broken, all fractured. We all need Jesus, and we all need to be transformed by him. And that only happens by coming to the table and eating. But then there's another challenging part of this verse, and there's another layer of the verse. Is that I think as he's telling this, you and I are supposed to be the servants that go out and invite. Like imagine being a servant and being a part of this amazing meal and this amazing party. Well, like where you, you walk in and, and you just feel love and you feel grace and, and Jesus even corrects you a little bit and you're like, yeah, I need that correction. Uh, you're right to correct me. My life is better because you have corrected me. You've set me on a, a straighter path. I appreciate that, Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm filled up at this party. Uh, there's all the food in the world. There's all the community in the world. This is beautiful. Best party I've ever been at. What kind of servant would I be if I just sat there and just enjoyed it for myself? Like, I think Jesus is going, look, yeah, yeah, you went and invited a bunch of people, but the house isn't full. Go out and invite more people. Go out and invite everybody that you can think of, because don't you want others to experience the Jesus that you're experiencing? This freedom, this joy. Like, do you have to worry? No, you don't have to worry. Jesus has got it. Jesus will provide. You are not only free from things, but you are free to a whole new life in Christ that you couldn't live before. Does that mean life is going to get easier? Maybe not. Maybe life will actually get more complicated and more difficult as you follow Jesus, but life will be better as he transforms you. And as you do life with him. So the invitation. Get rid of your excuses. Come sit at the banquet table. Dine with Jesus. In Revelation 3.20, it's the first verse that I memorized as a new Christian a long time ago. It's this uh, verse where Jesus is sitting here and goes, look, I stand on the door and I knock. I'm waiting for you to open the door so that I can come into your house and I can sit down with you and share a meal with you as friends. That's the gospel. Let's deal with our excuses. Let's get rid of them. And then as we join the meal, as Jesus comes and sits down to the table and we're enjoying this new life with Christ and we're, this is beautiful and it's amazing and my sins have been forgiven and I'm being transformed and he's dealing with the darkest parts of my heart and my mind and, and he's transforming them. I'm finding freedom. I'm, I'm finding all these amazing things living with Jesus. Is it easier? No, but it's better. 
I then get to go out and invite others to this amazing life. So I think it was last week. I think it was last week or maybe the week before where I asked you to write down three names. Three names of people that don't know Jesus, that you are in, that are around you. And I, and I said, if you don't know three people that are non-Christians around you, you, you need to change your friend group a little bit and get around some people that aren't Christians, that don't know Jesus. This feeds into that. Those three people, I encourage you, I challenge you, be praying, be thinking, how can I intentionally have conversations where I'm inviting them into the Jesus meal, the Jesus banquet? Maybe that means coming to church. Fairly safe invite. Maybe that means having uh, dinner and meals with them. Maybe it means uh, just being nice to them, going out of your way to serve them. Ask them, how can I pray for you and your family? Take them out for coffee. Like there's a million things that you can do. You're creative people. I know you are. Those people in your life that don't know Jesus were called to be the servant and go, come to the meal. I want you to experience the banquet. So wherever you're at, take your next step. Maybe you're sitting here and going, man, I have had a lot of excuses. And, and I, I've been letting all these other things get in the way of Jesus and take priority over my relationship with Jesus. And man, there, there's been a lot of it. I've been putting all my eggs into the work basket. Or I've been just focusing on family and home. That's been my sole focus. And Jesus has kind of just made his way out on the streets here. Uh, like there's too many excuses. So the, maybe your first step is to go that. I've had all these excuses. It's time for me to confront them and work through them. Or maybe you're at the banquet table and you're enjoying the dinner. Well, then the invite is go get some more people. Go out into the streets and invite more people because the table isn't just for you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. I pray that you, you keep this story with us throughout the week, this story of the banquet, and that you keep bringing up in our minds this story throughout the week. And Jesus, I pray that we would all fight through our excuses to get to your table. And I pray that as we're at your table, that we would go out and we would invite. So that others could experience who you are. In your name, amen.